I think kids, when especially when they're young, they need to step out of themselves because <laughs> the, their life is about them and we mm-hmm. make it about them, which is okay. Mm-hmm. You know, like you could, we could battle this in our minds all the time, but we have to get them to step out of themselves and try to think about really how somebody else would feel or how you would feel if somebody did the same thing to you. Welcome back to Women Friends, everyone. This is the first episode of season two, and I'm so pumped to be here. If you are looking for guidance on building better, deeper, richer, more satisfying friendships with high quality people, and with yourself for that matter, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Women Friends. I am Janine Ellsworth, your host, and I'm honored that you're spending time with me here today. This season, we've got so many experts lined up who are sharing loads of brilliance. It's unreal. It's going to be phenomenal, guys. But I want to get right to today's guest because she has so much wisdom and perspective for us that I don't want to waste one minute. If you are a parent or if you have any children in your life that you care about, or if perhaps you were once a child yourself, you're going to want to stay tuned because we are about to hear from one of the top 10 certified school counselors in all of the United States for 2021. Leslie Delvecchio Marks, more commonly known as Mrs. DM by her school community, which is in the Shaler Area School District in the northern suburbs outside of Pittsburgh. Leslie was also named Pennsylvania School Counselor of the Year for 2020. Guys, she's the best in the business. You don't get any better than Leslie, and she is gracing us with her advice and wisdom today. I've been dying to get a school counselor on the show because the whole Mean Girls topic continues to arise in a lot of my conversations with people both on the podcast and off. So many of us have experienced Mean Girls growing up, and we all know that being excluded and ostracized by our our peers is detrimental and has long-lasting effects. So I really wanted to dive into this to hear how the professionals today are helping kids navigate through this. And besides, I've got two elementary school children who are dealing with all kinds of social and emotional upheaval at this point in the pandemic that never ends. So I thought, wouldn't it be helpful to get the perspective of someone who's got like an insider's view on kids' emotional development and socialization skills when, you know, parents don't necessarily see what's happening at school all the time? Who better than a school counselor? So I started keeping my eyes and ears open for someone in that line of work who might talk to me for the show. And here's how miraculous and beautifully full circle life is. Get this. I happened to catch news on my Facebook feed that one of my old friends from high school, who I had completely lost touch with, um, we used to sing in the school choir together, and I just knew she had a beautiful singing voice. I had no idea where she moved to, or if she'd gone to college, or what she grew up to become in her career, because we're talking 25 years ago, uh, since we knew each other. But here she is on my Facebook feed, this old friend just so happens to receive this award for the top 10 school counselors, and there's a whole write-up in the paper about her, Leslie Delvecchio Marks. What's more, Leslie, Mrs. DM, just so happens to work at the very same elementary school that I attended back in the mid-80s where I got my first taste of bullying. So you're about to hear how she has, in fact created a fresh, new, warm, and welcoming climate of compassion there at that school, Birchfield Elementary. 
She has an amazing support system there with what I understand is a phenomenal principal and a whole beautiful community of thoughtful children and teachers at that school who adore her and you will adore her as well as soon as you meet her when I shut up finally. And it just warms my heart to know that she's there after some of the memories about my days at that school that you'll hear. Leslie also shares uh, her personal struggles through childhood and adolescence and her friendship dynamics. She offers so many brilliant tips for parents and caregivers and educators on how to guide our kids toward more tolerance and kindness and empathy and away from exclusion and all that other mean girl, mean kid behavior. Guys, this is such a great conversation. Let's get right to it. Would you remind me again, and I apologize for not looking this up, the official name of the award that you just won. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Oh my God. Okay, it's, there's actually a couple. Is that crazy? It's um, wonderful. It's well-deserved. <laughs> thank you. Uh, I, so I was named, I guess, uh, I'm 2020 Pennsylvania School Counselor of the Year. Hot damn. And then, and then most recently, this is kind of crazy too. In June, I was named one of the 10 national. So this would be 2021 national certified school counselors of the year. Wow. What an honor. It's It's through this organization called NBCC, which is national board of certified counselors. And then I just applied for this award because I thought, man, I have all this stuff submitted. I don't know, just see. And did they come and did they did they sneak on you? Did they did they creep up and see what are you doing? What are you up to? How I I had to submit proof. So thank goodness I asked people to take pictures of things and I keep track of every blessed thing that I do. Um, So that made life really easy. It was an easy application to submit because I had to submit all this proof. Um, The Pennsylvania School Council of the Year application was very lengthy. It took me 26 hours. I had to make a video. I had to submit data, all this proof. Um, so after I did that, you know, you have all these things saved. So when this national, I I just was paying my dues for the national board of certified counselors. And, um, and I saw this application, uh, for school counselor of the year. And let me just see what the heck it's called. Okay. National certified school counselor, uh, of the year. It was 2021. Uh, There was 10 of us in the nation. Um, yeah, so I submitted it and because um, there was all these things you had to prove um, how you made a difference during the pandemic and actually the pandemic sort of changed my professional life. I had time to do things I was always in it was really a stressful time so um, when that happened in March, I took the time to make sure I learned I sat in on every blessed webinar that I could I became a technological star. I didn't even know how to get into my Google Drive before March 13th of 2020. Wow. <laughs> and now, I'm presenting nationally in Texas on technology, uh, utilizing technology um, to enhance your school counseling program in Texas. I got picked as one of the national. (laughs) It's so bizarre because I knew nothing. Like I went from the ground up because of the pandemic about it and all that family time. I thought I loved being in the red zone, Janine Nelsworth. I thought it was the best. I agree. I agree. Like do. But that's so wonderful. I mean, oh, yeah. so I just, we're just going to launch right into this. I didn't even say welcome, Leslie Delvecchio Marks. No, because I just want, you're just, what you're saying is so fabulous to me because it has nothing to do with friendship, but it has to do with how do you recognize the worth in your own, your own value to be like, hell yeah, I'm worthy of that. I'm going to just go for it. Why not? That's a hard thing to do for a lot of women. So 
Heck oh, yes. yeah. And how'd you do it? Well, it's interesting because I am so tough on myself, but I'm my own um, worst critic. So, yeah. but I, I think when I have confidence in something, I'm like, well, you know what? I'm going to do this because I always try to think that it's going to inspire other people. I try to inspire others. So even back in the days, Janine, when we were in chorus together, mm-hmm. I made it a point and we were both pretty decent singers, but yeah. I made it a point not to apply for women's choir because I wanted the people to know that you could still be a good singer and just be in concert choir. And I was never in women's choir, even though she would ask me every year, the choir director, I never did it. Is that crazy? Wait a second, because, okay, I'm having, I'm, I'm, I've filled in the blank said, because I thought I distinctly remembered you being in, in women's nope. choir. You will never see me with one of those pictures of me with those shiny tops, only jazz choir. Jazz but choir. Never in women. Yes. I did not do it because I think I just wanted to make it a point to the, the other people that you can still be a good singer and not be in women's choir. That's what I oh, mean. look at I've you making us making a I statement know. to make sure there's equality and and uh, you were being you were being an example for other your peers. Oh, I try. <laughs> so that's why I tell that story about how my technological, um, I guess my knowledge has been gained only because I had the time to learn it because I really didn't. So now all these great things are happening, but I really started from ground zero. So you can do it. This is inspiration trying to motivate. But it's true. <laughs> you can't, I, and you know what? And I'm so, I'm so glad that, um, first of all, I, you have always been a golden hearted person and I'm so glad that we reconnected. Thank you for agreeing to come on and let me interview you for women friends, because clearly you, you are bringing so much more value than I even could have imagined. Not only are you the school counselor of the year, you are a mom and you do amazing things. And here you are, you're my friend. And I just, it's just so nice to reconnect. Um, the, the reason I really wanted to, to, to pick your brain to pick a school counselor's brain is to get into the nitty gritty of the mean girl behavior. And I know we're gonna get there, but before we do, could you lay the foundation for us? Because when you and I were growing up, it was guidance counselor and you uh, corrected my usage of that phrase, which we don't call you anymore because you're not just helping kids with their schedules. So can you tell us, what the so your school counselor, what all that entails now and why it's so much more important? Well, thank you so much for asking that, Janine, because uh, I, you know, for years, for 30 years, we haven't been called guidance counselors, if you can believe that. 30 years. I've been living under a rock, apparently. We all have. (laughs) The reason why we're so passionate about not using that G word, we call it the G word, it's like a bad word in school counseling land, is because when you think of your guidance counselor, you really only think, and think of it, when do you last remember having a guidance counselor? What level of schooling? I suppose there was one in high school, but, uh, but it was only for like, which, which electives do you want to take? And then, and then you might ask their input, but. Right. And I think we did have one and I probably just remember this because, you know, I'm in the profession, but I think we had one in middle school. I don't remember what they did, uh, but in high school, I just remember, uh, you know, scheduling classes and I had to go to our guidance counselor to schedule classes. And because I was a nervous wreck about kissing the male lead in the high school musical and I was crying <laughs> and I don't know what he did, but I did not kiss him. Even though in my role, I was impregnated by him, by the way. Wait, <laughs> so, which show was this? This was Once Upon a Mattress. I was Lady Larkin and I was pregnant <sighs> by Sir Harry. And I was so nervous about kissing him that I went to the guidance counselor and said, I can't kiss somebody for the first time on stage. And 
I don't know what he did, but I didn't kiss him. We hugged. But anyway, um, <laughs> so the reason why we're so passionate about it now is because um, we do so much more. Not that those guidance counselors of the past did things that weren't good. They did great things and they did a lot of post-secondary things. So when you talk to your guidance counselor, you were talking about things you were doing out after school, after you graduated, or yeah. what we remember was the scheduling or anything related to that. And then we mainly just remember them being in high school, but now school counselors are, are like um, almost like the heart of the school. So we are really leaders and advocates and collaborators. And we try to, um, brings like systemic change in the building. So we are in the classrooms a lot. The, uh, the students see me in their classroom, at least in my school, at least four times a year um, per homeroom. We run small groups. So we work in tiers. So we try to do things for all the students. That's called tier one. So that's a lot of classroom lessons, school-wide programs. Tier two is when we pull like smaller groups of kids and do, do interventions with them. So sometimes that is in the form of a counseling small group or some um, individualized short-term counseling. And we're also collaborating. We're working on teams indirectly to help students. And then um, tier three is like the most intensive support. So we're working with kids probably a little bit more longer term or connecting them to outside resources, uh, like more intensive crisis uh, intervention is at the tier three because it's like the smallest percentage of kids so we but we should be meeting with we should know be doing things for all all kids 100 so we're really involved we work um really closely with our administrators so yeah we're really that we should be at the heart of the school so the the kids should know us and you're you know, like working with a with younger age children i work with grades k through three i always say that if if i can i know if a school counselor is really doing a, a decent job if I go to uh, their student and say what's the name of what's the name of your school counselor and if they could say the name of their school counselor you know you're you're doing a good job because mm -hmm. they should know who you are now it's harder for us on the other end because sometimes we have high ratios to know every kid but they should at least know us and I could say with confidence that with even within that those first two months at my school that even the kindergarten kids which are the toughest because they're trying to learn everybody if they didn't know my name they don't know the Delvecchio marks. They call me Mrs. DM. <laughs> they, but I would say they could say that Mrs. DM is their school counselor, or they could say, if you said, who is your school counselor, they would say Mrs. DM. Or if you said, who is Mrs. DM, they would say the school counselor. So, because I go in and teach them about that in the beginning too. So they should know. So That's that makes good. me a little nervous when they don't know, because we could be doing so much, but our roles are sometimes blurred in school districts because- mm -hmm. Pennsylvania is the only state that doesn't mandate school counselors. Well, I don't want to say mandate, but they don't uh, recognize, I guess. They don't have comprehensive school counseling programs. They don't have like something that says that all schools should have it. So we're blurred oh, wow. between social workers, school psychologists. So you can't blame the districts because we have to educate. So anyway, thank you for asking me that because I get real passionate about it. That's, you can tell. It's really important. It's really <laughs> important. And I and I know from my own experience as a parent of children in public school, when we have had to call upon the services of a school counselor, it has been absolutely critical to conflict resolution and to managing, you know, the little ups and downs of things that happen inside the classroom that, you know, that parents just have no awareness of what's going on unless unless your kid's willing to talk to you about stuff. So this is kind of really where the origin of my desire to speak to a school counselor came from. So thank you for being willing to put it out there. Uh, 
Well, yeah, I work in a K through three building in a suburban school district in Allegheny County, which is a suburb of Pittsburgh, uh, actually the same school district that Janine and I attended. So it's kind of nice to be in the same district um, where I also attended school. So and a lot of the students, you know, I know their, I know their parents or their grandparents. Yeah. And in fact, it's the it's the precise elementary school that I attended when I was a child. And mm -hmm. so I don't know if they still have those long, tall, skinny windows facing out the back parking lot or where the kids had recess when I was a child. They sure do. I used to sit and wiggle myself into those skinny windows and sit there lonely and, and totally overwhelmed at recess time like holding back with a lump in my throat trying not to cry and looking at oh. the kids having like playing tag or whatever this was early like first grade when my first year there and just wondering like how do those kids just so easily run around with each other and make friends with each other so perhaps you can shed light on how you help the children who are having a hard time integrating socially what sorts of tools you're giving them clearly <laughs> I was already having baggage as a six-year-old, so so I had some separation anxiety from my mom, and I had just you know I was just afraid of other people, so that that was just a thing oh. that I'm still working on. So, um, but yeah, how do you when you when you come across a child that's that's having some some difficulty, how do you swoop in and and help them? Oh, it's you know that breaks my heart. I'm never going to look at those windows. You mean on the outside, yeah. by the way, or yeah. you on the oh, gosh, either way. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll never think of them the same. I'll think of you every time I pass them. Um, oh, that breaks my heart because nowadays I would really think that that would not happen. Because first of all, I think the teachers would be on that it, mm. because I'm not at honestly I'm not at recess because I'm usually I'm usually either running groups or kind of on alert. So I'm never at recess duty. Plus it's when I walk out there, they're so cute. They all mob me. So if I'm going out there for a reason, forget it because <laughs> oh. everybody's loving and they're cute. So I, I'm never out there, but I think the teachers would be on that. And I actually think other students would be on that because of the, the climate we've tried to create in my building. So what would typically happen is um, usually we try to, uh, I don't want to say train the kids, but educate the kids on looking out for others. So in the very beginning of every school year, usually in October, uh, because it's bull, it's National Bully Prevention Month, I mm -hmm. will go into all of the classrooms and teach a lesson that encompasses a couple of things. How to uh, stand up, first explains what bullies are and how to deal with bullying behaviors. And also we talk about empathy and how to use things like the buddy bench and just be aware of helping others and to be an upstander. So we explain the bullying, I explained to my little ones, the bullying is when anyone is mean on purpose and um, the behavior is ongoing. So over and over. So more than one time, more than two times mm -hmm. um, they're mean to you. Because with when they're little, that's the best way to explain it. We try to explain the power aspect too, because bullies try to have power over you. And um, when we get into how to deal with bullying, I talk about that power, how you don't want to give them power. So basically, when you have little ones, um, how I explain how to deal with those bullying behavior, if you do feel like you're being bullied, is first, you want to try to ignore it. So we try to say that people try to get a reaction out of you. So if, if it's not serious, this is all what you do when it's not serious, too serious. You want to try to ignore it or act like you don't care. So if somebody says something negative to you, then you might just either, I teach them the shrug. Mm. Okay. Or 
so, or whatever, like I'm shrugging my shoulders. Mm -hmm. Um, or you, or you could just, sometimes we even do the little reverse psychology, like, thank you. Thank you. Mm. I think that you're really great at that. I think you're so great at that. Thank you so much for noticing. Um, something <laughs> like that. That's what we do is step one. We kind of act like we don't care. And we say that that's easier said than done, but just try your best or just ignore it. Pretend like you don't hear anything. If somebody's saying something to you on the bus, just don't even look at them. Keep talking. Something like that. But if it continues, we, we tell them, number two, you want to use your words. So you want to say things like, and a lot of our kids are nice. So I, I and this was, maybe this is my stuff coming out because I never wanted to say anything to people because I didn't want to look mean. But I said, you can say things like, stop it, or I don't like that, or don't do that. And I said, if you feel bad about that, you can add a please, but you don't have to. <laughs> please don't do that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that hurts my feelings, but you need to say something. I said, because if you don't say something, then they're, they either may not know that it's bothering you or they're going to continue to do it or they're, they're going to think that they can continue to do it because you won't say something. So you would at least try to say something like stop it or don't touch me or get off of me. Um, yeah, it's so important for a kid to have the, mm -hmm. to feel like they can advocate for themselves, but that's hard absolutely. for them to do sometimes if they're a, it you know, is. Just a timid so we, kid or, oh, absolutely. And we practice this too. Like even in the class, they, they, they practice shrugging for me. Oh, they're all good. cute with their masks on shrugging with mm. an, I don't care face. Um, and then they, they do all say, you know, they'll say, I keep saying, say, stop it to me, say, stop it to me. And they're all saying it and I'm looking at them. And oh, so wow. it's good. You're and it's, I think it's because they're doing it together. It's not like singling them out. Although some of them would like to come up. We do have a little role play opportunity for them, but, but we have them practice that. But we also say, um, we also let them know that step three would be, you know, after you try to ignore it and you use your words, this three would be, then you need to give them a warning because if it's still not stopping, especially with these little ones, then you need to say something like, well, if you don't stop it, I'm going to tell the whoever is closest to you. So we talk about on the bus, you want to tell the bus driver first because they're right there. If you're at recess, don't wait to tell your homeroom teacher, tell the person on duty because they're right, they're there and they could, it just makes it way easier. At home, you tell your whoever you live with. So we talk to them about how you want to get the warning. And we explain how sometimes when, even with brothers and sisters, this connects for them. Like you say, I'm telling mom. And as soon as you get up, they're like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And you, you, you say you're going to tell mom. Then if it continues, you go tell mom. Because the next step is obviously to tell someone. We, but we try to give them to, we try to get them to be problem solvers because a lot of times you don't have an adult near you or you don't have somebody with you in life who is going to help you. So we want to try to get them young to learn that they have yeah. to try to take some of these steps on their own. Yeah. But we also explain if it's like an emergency or for those, if you feel like you're in immediate danger, you know, in between that, use your word steps, you need to scream your words. We talk about being a siren. So you need to scream, get off of me or something like that. Cause we explain if you're at recess and you're screaming, get off of me, somebody's going to look, other yeah. kids are going to look. Yeah. So, um, we're just trying to get them to get those personal safety skills early. So they know what to do in case of a situation, mm -hmm. um, that arises at a young age, but as they get older, I would say some of the same things could still happen. Um, I think you could still try to do the ignoring obviously, and use your words and just say things. It could probably be a little bit more, um, could probably use more words, I guess. The warning part is where I think those older kids may not want to do that. Um, to tell something, I'm going to tell warn, on you. Tell. Yeah. yeah. There's but some, there's like, um, sorry, I'm cutting you off. I apologize. No, it's great. Um, it has me thinking about it's not cool or, or there's just that extra layer of um, kids want to be so grown up. 
but if they haven't learned those skills early on, then it become then they become sort of, I guess they could become helpless and not not able to to diffuse the situation on their own. What about so yeah, my son had a recent issue like this and he's so timid and he doesn't want to look like a weakling. Um, so he didn't say anything, you know, but it's so it, that treat teaching a kid how to advocate for themselves. It's hard to do. So how are you seeing, how are you seeing the kid? Are you seeing the kids actually employ this in real, like they're doing it and it's working. They're doing it and it's working. I think because they have that confidence that they're going to be backed up if they do it. So we always say, if you would, if you would do these things, like you would try to ignore somebody and you would use your words and you even warn the person if they don't stop it, that you're going to tell on them. And then you do tell on them. Could you imagine? And we, we role play this too. You going to a teacher and saying, just want to let you know, Janine's been bothering me. So I tried to ignore her. And then I even used my words and um, I told her to stop it. And she didn't. And then I told her, if she didn't stop it. I was going to tell you. And she didn't stop it. Like I said, you're clean. You haven't done anything there. Then what are they going to do? Squirm because you, you warned them. You told them you actually gave them one last chance that you were going to um, take care of it if they didn't stop it and they didn't stop it. And that does work. And the teachers, because they're in the mm. classrooms when I'm doing these lessons and the kids are learning this, they reinforce it too. So I think the kids feel like they have that backup. So they, that's awesome. But we also do say to them, like, if you're the type of person who does get very ner nervous using your words, and I'll ask, does anybody feel real uncomfortable using the words? And there's always those people. And I would have been one of them because yeah. I'm not really, I'm not really into confrontation. I hate it. I, even as an adult, I have to practice. I have several practice sessions in front of my mirror talking to people sometimes. Um, we say then <laughs> at good. least tell a friend <laughs> to, you got to tell somebody to get you help. If it's, if you want to come directly to an adult and tell them, or if you want to ask a friend to help you or have somebody stand with you or something, you would have to do something. You have to say something because if you don't, it's going to continue. And if you want it to stop, you have to use your words. You have to do something. So either use your words and tell somebody else or tell that person, which we encourage them to do first, because that's the most effective because if somebody's, if somebody confronts you directly, even as an adult, you know, it has more an effect than somebody indirectly kind of approaching you with something. So for sure, we for try sure. and it does work. So they're at least doing something, uh, but a lot of them are way more brave than I have ever been. And they're way more assertive because they've learned how to do it. And then they learned that it's okay to do it. Wow. So hopefully they continue as they get older. What are some of the lasting effects of uh, on a child who grows into an adolescent and then an adult if they if they don't learn those skills to stop it and to ignore and to tell somebody and to get help like what what can what are the lasting effects of of bullying? Well, I think that uh, I think every situation is different, but I, I think I, my fear is that a lot of kids and we can even think of our own personal experiences. Mm -hmm will be the type of person that sort of sits back and is more of a follower and kind of does things that people want them to do, or they start to internalize some of those things that they've heard. So if there are some mean names or um, just mean things that have done to have been done to them, I think they start thinking they maybe that, that that's true or that they deserve that, or yeah. this is the only way they can even have friends if they hang around with people like that. And that's just what happens. That's mm -hmm. what friends do. So their whole um, perception on friendship and themselves becomes distorted. So it's really, it's really important, I think, at a young age to try to teach 
kids problem solving skills. That's my, that's, that's what I think is most important. So I think self-esteem is obviously good, but I think that if they can recognize their skills and what they're able to do, that's way more effective because we want to teach the kids how to be resilient because there are always going to be problems and a bully is a problem, but there's always problems. So I think we have to, as parents, we have to really be careful not to be willing to always step in and solve their problems because we're teaching them that somebody else is going to solve their problems where they're, they need to learn how to solve their problems because there's always going to be problems. Even and we, and I've talked to kids about, and even my kids about the size of a problem. There's those little problems that, you know, we call them like level zero and one where you can solve them on your own. Those zeros are like a glitch. And I'll teach mm-hmm. kids at school this too. You drop your pencil, it's a problem, but what do you do? And they're like, oh, I just pick it up. Yeah, it's like a glitch, but it is a problem and you solve it. And as you start moving up, like a two or three um, might be like uh, something where you could probably handle it on your own, but you might need an adult to help you. And then we get up to the four or fives. That's like the real problems. Like there's an emergency, um, a tornado, or th- th- you get hurt, you're breaking a leg. You definitely need somebody to help you. But we want to try to get them to really try to solve most of the problems on their own as much as they can, but also know that you are going to need some help too. But I mean, if we can get them to solve problems at an early age, that'll help further down the line. I love that. I love that numbering system. That's so, so like obvious, but I I never thought about doing that. And I think, Mm -hmm. yeah, my son would definitely get it. He's a numbers guy. So he would be like, mom, (laughs) there's a two (laughs) happening now. Yeah, I love that. That I I probably got off of something. Teachers pay teachers or something, but there's just a chart. It's like how big is my problem? Mm -hmm. And they give examples, and I can share that with you too. But that's just a good example. It's so interesting. I mean, there's all these wonderful tools that we can give to a kid to protect themselves and to solve the problem. But what about the potential aggressors? You know, I mean, how are Mm -hmm. we equipping, making sure that our kids are nice, nice to each other? And it. That word even is problematic, right? Nice, you and I grew up with. Be nice, be nice. And now mm-hmm. that's like a no-no. It's be kind, be kind. Mm-hmm. Somehow that's different and I still don't have it a grasp on that. But but um, how how we instill in our children that like, like don't be a dick you know, <laughs> to right. other people. Yes. So like, are there things that parents sh- need to be watching out for in today's world, I mean, you have the lens on today, mid COVID era, mid masking and all of this extra stuff. And these kids that um, are grappling with a whole different set of like gender identity stuff and just like all the cultural things that are present in our kids today that they're aware of. So with, this is like all, I feel like they're new answers and through a new lens about like what we can look out for if our children are potentially the aggressors on others and making other kids upset or miserable or afraid or or targeted. It's interesting because every situation is so different, but a lot of times when I've dealt with situations at school, if a child is a true bully, and well, like I said, we, we explain that as being mean on purpose and over and over again. And I have to tell you, there's very few incidents of this because, you know, we've kind of explained what that is. And, and, and if you use the term bully, oh, it's like, you know, they're like, you know, it's almost like they didn't mm. even realize it because that's not what their intention was. But mm. a lot of the times 
um, when people are kind of exhibiting our, our kids are in my age, uh, my age kids, I guess, in my school, um, it's because of there's just these feelings of some kind of inadequacy, like jealousy or um, and usually that's the biggest one mm. um, or just trying to like win over kids in some way. So they're trying to like, uh, I get what's the word I'm, I'm trying to use, like impress other kids. So I think when they think they're doing certain things to kids, which in their mind, they're justifying as not mean, um, right. that, that they don't realize that they're necessarily being a bully. I think a lot of kids, um, we have to talk to them, we have to remind them of empathy too, because we have to think of, we have to get them to think about how they would feel in that situation. Why, how do you think you would feel if she said that to you. I think kids, when especially when they're young, they need to step out of themselves because <laughs> the, their life is about them and we mm -hmm. make it about them, which is okay. Mm -hmm. You know, like you could, we could battle this in our minds all the time, but we have to get them to step out of themselves and try to think about really how somebody else would feel or how you would feel if somebody did the same thing to you. So a lot of our kids that do these types of behaviors are really, I think it's coming from a place of insecurity, um, they're trying to make themselves feel good about something that they maybe can't control. So they're trying to control a situation. So if they want to become better friends with Janine and Janine is better friends with another person, um, then they're going to be mean to that other person because they're upset about the situation with Janine and that makes them feel better. You know, they're getting control of a situation they can't control. So it's tough. I mean, it's adults do the same thing. And if yeah. you think about it, that's, they're learning from the people around them probably unintentionally, but you know, you learn things even from commercials and things like that. So right. I, I think we just have to get them to try to really put themselves in, in that place of the person who they're hurting and, and try to see how that may, would make them feel. But I think we also in doing things to recognize those opposite behaviors, that helps too, because what we see is like, we, we have this positive school-wide behavior system where we're recognizing the positive behaviors that kids have. I think they see that and they think they, well, they'll understand that if they also want to be recognized for that behavior, they have to do the same thing. So mm -hmm. kind of in a nice way, it's a domino effect in a, in a good way, I guess I should say, but I don't know if I answered it's your a question. Positive right? reinforcement. Yes. <laughs> it's little steps, you know, but it's really about um, how they feel about themselves and their own self-worth. Oh, it's all so much goes into that. Mm -hmm. It all comes down to self-worth. That's, mm -hmm. that's what it is. I mean, that's what everything in life is. I've, I've come to learn. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and, and then you have people like me and, and, and others that are really tough on, on, on ourselves because you, we always like, I think from my childhood, probably I did feel inferior to many people's probably particularly because of the way I looked and even now, like even with weight loss and everything, it's just like, it's a constant battle. Um, you're gorgeous. But, you're gorgeous. Uh, so, thank you. And I'm learning to say, thank you. That's, <laughs> that's important. Times, yeah. Cause people will say, Oh, I like your shirt. And I'm like, Oh, I got it on sale or what? Right. Say thank you. you know, so it was so, um, just say thank you. Exactly. Yes, just, amen. Oh, that's so hard to do. It is. And kids at my, at that K through three level are still in that. I, they think they're beautiful stage and that's great, mm -hmm. but it's when that puberty starts um, that, that sometimes you get that stinking thinking. I call it a little earlier. Like if your grades, if you're not, if you're maybe working harder than some kids or it's mainly sort of more academic, I would think at this age, but, but it starts a little bit. Cause I'm even seeing with my daughter, she doesn't want to wear certain shirts. And I'm like, what's that about? You know, like, where is that coming from? Uh -huh. um, and so it starts a little bit, but then it really kicks in when 
boys and girls start to recognize each other and maybe they start to like each other and then the body's changing and you know all these things happen i remember those beautiful pimples appeared on my face at an early age um <laughs> and that changed everything so so at this age if we could try to get them to learn these problem solving skills and empathy and all that stuff now before all that other stuff starts hopefully it all weaves into each other and they'll yeah. know what to do and how to handle things as they get older Another thing that I noticed through COVID since, um, was your district uh, shut down last year? You were all home for most of the year, right? Yeah, we were, yeah, we were virtual for a good, well, we started out virtual, then we went hybrid and then we were virtual and then we went hybrid and then we were four days a week. Okay. One day virtual. <laughs> In that time frame when our kids were home most of the year, except for the last like two weeks, parents couldn't be keeping watch all the time and mm -hmm. they were pretty self-directed through the day and lo and behold they discovered youtube and tiktok and lots and lots and lots of influencers that i would not prefer that they had discovered but uh that really accelerated particularly my daughter's dive into like the puberty the conscient conscious of uh, her looks and her what she's mm -hmm. wearing and everything i mean she's she's almost 10 and it is I, she may as well be 17 I, it's really really crazy yeah like you were saying i mean when we knew we know when we grew up i mean all of this is so can be so much to deal with so with you uh, you grew up as a twin. Did you think that that made a difference in your um, in your social life, in your view of yourself, in your your own journey through life uh, as as a, as a sister or twin? I mean, you two were always besties, right? You yeah, were a pair. <clears throat> Didn't think about that, but probably in a way, um, that was a bonus for me because I at least always had her. You know, like if if my when my friend circle turned for me like they did in seventh grade. I always had her. And in a way too, she was a big um, help in my life too, because my poor sister was always heavier than me. She was the heavier. And I think that sort of taught me empathy because I was always very aware of her battle mm -hmm. because her battle became my battle. And I didn't like when people were mean to her. So I, I, I made it a point even now that's like a tough spot for me that um, if I see a heavier kid, I, it's almost like I, I take them in more because I know what that's like. Mm. Um, so having the twin perspective was just interesting because it probably always gave me that other person. I always had that person when people weren't mean to me, um, but I also gave me a little different perspective. I always, um, it's like that point I tried to prove, like in high school, I always wanted to try to make everybody feel like they were important, probably because of those little battles. I guess. So the twin factor, I don't know if that got back to your original question, but I think it kind of was, um, I didn't think about it that way, but I think it kind of helped me in more ways than one, because I always had that bestie. Uh, even though they tried to separate us in school, we always ended up with the same friends mm -hmm. anyway. Mm -hmm. So we always got along pretty well, even to even today, which is nice. It sounds like you learned to be a little bit of a protector and that mm -hmm. and early on. I always think that, you know, in life, even as us parents, Things happen to us. And I think, you know, I think everything happens for a reason. But I think a lot of the things that have happened to me help me to teach other 
future kids or future generations how to deal with situations. And one thing that was a big one that I've talked about in class with kids and I've talked about with my kids is when I was in seventh grade, I always had a group of uh, friends that were my close knit friends and we used to sit together. We used to sit together at the same lunch table. And I remember they used to be allowed to go to the mall and I wasn't at that point. Mm. And they would always talk about this candy store. I can't even remember what it was called, Janine, but this, they'd always go to this candy store and I don't know, they talk about this, all their adventures that they went on on the weekend. And I was never with them. And I almost felt like the invisible person at that table, which there's a story called the invisible boy parents that if you don't know it, you might want to look it up. It's very good. We read it to the kids and it really does. It teaches empathy very well. And the kids get it even at a young age. Okay. But like you're, you're sitting there at the table and I just felt like, why am I here? Like you have this internal conflict. And I feel like my sister wasn't at that lunch with me, but you're sitting there and everybody's talking about things they've done and, and purposely leaving you out. And I thought, where do I go? Cause you're used to your one group. And this is where that relational aggression stuff comes in. That's that girl bullying where girls tend to be a little bit better at this. Um, at kind of making sure that if they want you out of their network, They'll do it in a not obvious way. And it's more indirect, but it's more hurtful. So yeah. whereas a boy might be upset with you and they'll directly tell you, like, get out of here. I don't want to be around you. And they don't like you. And maybe they'll punch you and then they're done, <laughs> which yeah. isn't good either. But the girl stuff lingers and they get all these other people involved and people are talking about you and you hear about and you know they're talking about you. And then you'll yeah. hear things from other people because all the girls feel they have to tell everybody. And, and, you, and you're, you're just experiencing this and it's this whole web of, it's like sick. It's like this sick feeling. You don't know where to go. Yeah. And I remember um, that's when I turned towards your group of uh, the kids you went to school with. It's interesting. But I remember sitting at that table, just doing this for probably about two months, saying nothing, just putting up with it, hoping it would get better. And I, and I remember I had a revelation, probably talked to my parents about this too, about needing to maybe find another social network. Um, like a group of peers that would be nice. And you start looking around at kids that would, who were always nice to you. And I try to get myself into that group. Uh, it's just, it's just really hard. Like I talked to kids at a young age too. I, I, I came up with this one day. This is, I don't know if this is great, but it seems to work and kids connect. But I always talk to kids about like a stoplight and there's people in your like friends in your circle that are the green friends. They're the ones like if you think of kids around you that are always nice to you or you, you feel like most of the time they're nice to you. You feel good around them. You feel like you could be yourself around them. You don't feel like you're being judged around them. That's your go to. That's the go friends. That's the mm. green friends. Then there's the, the those yellow friends that are, you know, sometimes we have to slow down around them because sometimes they're sometimes they're nice to us. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they might say things about you that don't make you feel real good. Or sometimes you just don't feel like you could be yourself around them. And we just have to be careful around them and slow down. And then there's those red people in our lives that are usually not very nice to us. We don't feel good about ourselves around them. We feel like sick to our stomachs. And that's the people we need to stop. We need to get away from those people and focus more on those green people. And, yeah. and sometimes that like perspective, like the kids are like, that's right. Because they really, they're a yellow. They're totally a yellow. Wow. And red, and I'm like, yeah, but no, don't call them that. But I mean, that's in your head. We need to cut it. We focus on Greenland. Like guys, sometimes I'll give them homework and I'm like, I want you to identify people that are going to live in Greenland with you and try to <sighs> see what it's like around them because it does try to get them to refocus their thoughts because a lot of us as adults too we stay in red and we need to get out of red because those people are not doing anything but making us feel worse about ourselves so 
but we oh, it's brilliant Leslie yeah, I, brilliant. I thought of it one day but it makes sense though because it's like we mm-hmm. I think and if you're somebody like me you're always trying to look for the green in people so those reds were like oh we give them another chance and we give them another chance and sometimes you need those people in your life that are like listen they don't like you <laughs> they're not going to yeah. change and it's like oh it's you know it's sickening to hear but once you move forward you feel like yeah and that's yeah. what we have to try to get our kids to we need them to kind of gain control of the situation and they'll feel better about themselves too. But even something as small as that, just saying, this is your little thing, just focus on green. Focus on green. Yeah. Because and it, that, yeah. It, when you're, what you were, what you were saying before too, I mean, it, that's such a good way of, of framing it <clears throat> um, because we are going back to the uh, mean girl behavior yeah. that you experienced in which I experienced in ninth grade, not in seventh mm-hmm. grade. And I'm trying to think back to seeing you, but I, you know, I had my own internal struggle, but I think that we teach our, we, we gaslight ourselves mm-hmm. and it, it's so hard to detect, to, to figure out whether you're really being kicked out of the network or if you're just imagining things. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes girls can be so good at denying that they're trying to kick you of course not no of course mm-hmm. we still like you no there's nothing wrong <laughs> you know and, and it's just that roll the eyes over the other shoulder that y- you don't see and and so you can trick yourself into being like everything's fine everything's fine oh, yes. uh, and that it, if we were I, I love that you you've given kids a framework to think about the red yellow green light because it's just it. I sometimes categorizing things into simple terms just really makes it so much easier to process. That's yes. brilliant. And you know, even with this whole pandemic thing, <clears throat> I've noticed with my daughters, they were virtual. We we kept them virtual because my parents were the caretakers, and I was real nervous, and so they were all virtual all year. And before that, they were really, they were always invited to birthday parties and everybody wanted to be around them, especially my older one, because my little one, she's in first grade. So she was kind of in preschool land. But, but when she came back this year, she noticed that some of the friends she was friends with that may not have known each other are now friends with each other. And they're hanging out at at recess. um, I'll say, Hey, I'm always like, I'm always asking recess questions, but who did you play with? Because I'm more concerned about the social than the academic, quite honestly. But who, who did you play with somebody today? What did you do at recess today? What's going on? Like, how did it go? Well, I try to make it casual, but I'm totally pumping for information. And I've <laughs> and I've noticed that they haven't been playing with these originals. Um, and I remember one day, I one day I had a heart to heart with my older one, and she's like, and she said that these girls aren't playing with her as much anymore, and she feels like they have these new friends. And she's uh, and she said, I don't feel like they like me as much anymore. And I said, well, we talked, we had the whole green light conversation and who are some friends that, that are, that are, are always nice to you, who do like to play with you. And we identified some of those kids and, but she's still in that mode where she wants to play with like one kid. And I said, well, it's better to play with, you don't want to ever limit yourself to one because then they might not like you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like triangles are dangerous. Um, so try to expand out or yeah. like two is ideal, but then you start getting in, just watch, just but, be yeah. careful and try to incorporate more. But um, I tried to encourage her to just think about how if she opens up her circle a little bit more when they move to the next building, which they all kind of all these primary schools melt into this one big elementary school in fourth grade, Mm. she's going to have an edge because she's going to know all these people, because when you split up, there's probably more of a chance that you're not going to be with that original group anyway, and they won't be either. They're all going to be split up. So the more friends you can make, the better, but we have to actually come up with plans. And sometimes this is good with kids. Like you actually role play and plan out what they're going to do the next day. Like who, who is your number one person that you're going to ask to play with? 
Janine. Okay, so if Janine is not available, if she decides to do something else, which may not be about you, it probably isn't, who's going to be backup plan? It's almost like we don't talk to them about saying this to people. Don't go up to them and say, you're my backup plan. But in your head, you want to have sort of a backup plan because then you're left alone. She's hiding in a, a tunnel at recess because she didn't know what to do. Like Janine hiding in the window because you don't have a plan. So you're sitting there like kind of sick not knowing what to do because you yeah. don't have the plan. But if you go yeah. in, it's the problem solving again. If you go in kind of having your plan, it lessens your anxiety because you let, you know, like, okay, so if this one doesn't work and she doesn't play with me, then I'm going to ask this person, or I'm going to ask him, or I'm going to do this, or I'm going to get on the swings or so sometimes having that plan um, also helps alleviate some of that anxiety and some of that uh, a lack of a better word stuff that goes with not getting what you want. Like you want your OGs, you want your original friends, but you know, things change and it's not necessarily about you, but you need to also change with it and come up with a plan of how you're going to deal with it. It's so hard in real life. It's easier for me to say, but, oh, you know, setting her free and letting her try that was tough, but she yeah. was, she has all these different friends now. So it's just little steps. We say, oh. even if it doesn't work today, we have the next day to try it again. That's what we're, we're going to try it together. And, you know, oh, so it's wonderful. Them. But it's I mean, hard, you know. That's helpful advice, even that's helpful advice, even for an adult. I'm mm -hmm. going to try to have a plan next time I go into Plans a big are good. And, so, and sometimes things are going to happen. We, as we know, these unexpected, but you know, if you start, if you, it's almost like if you become that planner in life, then in the moment, if they don't have what you want in the grocery store, <laughs> then you have your backup plan. Because it happens, you're planning for a party like I am tomorrow, and they didn't have the, the hash brown potatoes that I needed. So the backup plan was other potatoes. And that's in life, you just learn how to deal because you're used to having your backup plans. That's so <laughs> then, smart. I love it. I love it. And, if, and if, you, if it doesn't work out, then you need your person to rescue you. Like I, when I raise the white flag on anything, it, it is with much effort being done before that. So if the flag's up, then you need your, your person. My person is usually my husband or my principal because a lot of times things aren't going to work out and you need that level-headed person to say okay they need to help you get your plan <laughs> so mm. as parents we're that backup person but we want to try to get them to still try to come up with plan after plan after plan to deal with unexpected situations oh my god all right i have an assignment then i need to go sit just for myself first <laughs> hang up from this call and i'm going to get my journal out and i'm going to come up with a dang plan <laughs> And then well, I'm gonna... You can have plans forever. I mean, there's so many. <laughs> but just know, you know, I'm saying all this stuff and it might resonate with, with people, but, you know, nobody's perfect. We're all, I learn every day. And, and even sometimes I'll see my kids and they're threatening each other's life. And I'm the school counselor's parent and they're threatening each other's life. Like that's something I teach. Like, that's great. Just know that you're always going to have, <laughs> nobody's perfect and we're all learning and Lord knows I am too. So, you know, I say this and I'm like, yeah, it's inspirational and I'm inspiring. And then these two are going to be hitting each other when I get upstairs. I mean, so we just have to deal with where we're all in this together. And we, and then my big message of the day is, I'm sorry too, with kids and adults, we as adults need to push each other forward before we expect our kids to push each other forward. Why, why shouldn't we be proud of the things that people are doing around us? Like, I love that Janine has this podcast. This is great. I'm going to announce it on the rooftops. I think it's great. Why don't we do that? Why do we 
Why do we feel like we have to talk about people or not recognize people for all their efforts? I don't get it. And as adults, we don't do that. So how do we expect our kids to do that? So that's when our kids are saying, again, what is that look what she's wearing? Oh, she, she does that or because they're learning it from us. So we need to push women forward so that women can push women forward and we can push ourselves forward. Amen. Yeah. So I'm sorry. I went off on a tangent. Oh, I again. love it. No, I, you're, it's brilliant. Leslie, I, I could, we could do this all day and I could just keep getting your advice because you're full of so much, so many good nuggets of wisdom. I just can't even thank you enough. And I've thank taken you. up enough of your time. No, Aww. I'm taking up, but you're, uh, God bless you. I've been oh, talking to you so much. You get, to, you. you get to go, no, you get to go ice skating with your family. <laughs> and I hope you're, uh, I hope you are safe and that you have fun. Thanks. I'm going to be inspired by you. And I'm going to try not to uh, rip on myself the whole time I'm ice skating. And That's when someone says, wow, you're really good at this, just say thank you <laughs> or if they say wow you're really struggling i'm not going to say yes i'm terrible like i would normally i'm going to say i'm learning, <laughs> We're learning. that's a good we yes learning. i'm learning yeah. <laughs> leslie maybe we maybe we could do this again maybe if there's if there's uh, other uh but i know you're such a busy lady um, oh, if you think it's inspirational i'm in any topic i'll come up with something about it oh leslie you're remarkable and your awards this year are so well deserved in every single year and the parents and the children in your in your school community are so lucky to have you thank you Aww. girlfriend if you were sitting by that window i still don't like it <laughs> i don't like it Split, you by that window mm. i've come a long way baby well, I've come you. <laughs> look at you amen that's right good for you sometimes i feel like that lonely little kid still but i'm figuring it out you call me up if you feel lonely you got my number now so we're good <laughs> leslie thank you so much thank you and good luck with everything you do and keep doing all the fabulousness that you're doing for everybody not just women but for everybody you inspire so thank you oh thank you dear mrs dm she's the best Thank you, Leslie. I'm so honored she took the time out of her very demanding schedule to share her genius with us. And I'm honored that you took the time to be here to listen. Thank you all. If you loved this episode, please give it a review. Do me a solid and follow or subscribe to Women Friends on your favorite platform. And you know, better yet, share this with someone you know who might benefit. Let's keep this conversation going and let's keep our community growing. We'll be back next week with more. And until then, think about those green light friends that you might have and go give them a shout. Tell them how much you appreciate them being in your life, how valuable they are to you. Tell them you love them. They deserve to hear it. No matter how uncomfortable it might make you feel to step outside your comfort zone and like make that kind of affectionate overture to someone, what if this was your last opportunity to tell someone that you love them? If you missed it, you would regret it forever. Trust me. If that uh, list of your green light friends is non-existent, or if the red and yellow friend list is exceedingly long, come on back again next week. We'll have more guidance on how to build and maintain high quality friendships. See you then. Mm -hmm.